0: all right we have a great episode of side retired the only podcast coming to you guys today it's dylan campione and matt potter as always so matt let's hit the intro music and then we'll introduce our special guest Hello and welcome to this edition of Side Retire, the MLB podcast, Dylan and Matt. Matt, how are you doing before
1: we introduce our guests? Doing pretty well. Starting to, starting to turn into fall weather in South Bend, so got the pullover on now, which I'm not thrilled about. But these things happen, so we'll, we'll keep moving on.
0: I love it. And last weekend of the regular season here in Major League Baseball, and you're listening to this on Friday, September 29th. But Matt, we're not talking about Major League Baseball today. We're looking at the college baseball world, and I know you know our guests very well. So how about you introduce him to our audience? Yeah.
1: So today we're very excited to bring on Xavier Hirsch, who plays baseball at the University of Notre Dame, where I go to school. Xavier is a fellow Alumni Hall dog, which is why I know him pretty well. Um, he's a righty he walked on, and he's from uh, from down south in Texas.
0: Thank you. Welcome to the show, Xavier.
2: Hi, how are you guys? I mean, it's the last week of the MLB regular season, which means you're still stuck with college kids. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, We love it. But sort of we start off the interview by basically you get to establish where you want to go with this conversation, and we'll ask you the sort of general question of what's your baseball story? If people don't know who Xavier Hirsch is, how would you describe the baseball player Xavier Hirsch?
2: I mean, if you do know who Xavier Hirsch is, you I either know you personally or... <laughs> you know way too much about Notre Dame baseball. <laughs> um, so I went to high school. I was pretty good in high school. And so sophomore year is the COVID year. And that pretty much wiped out recruiting from sophomore summer to the beginning of junior summer, which is when a lot of guys get heavily recruited for baseball. So I kind of didn't have any of that. But – in junior years when I kind of took off, I was sophomore years, I think eighty-one to eighty-four, like maybe hitting eighty-five or eighty-six occasionally. And then junior spring is when I was finally sitting in the high eighties. I hit eighty-nine. I think I hit 90 in a playoff game, but I didn't really play in a big time travel program. I just played with a local program that was a lot cheaper. And I we really didn't leave Oklahoma, Texas area playing summer ball, so I didn't go to any of the big tournaments where there's a lot of recruiting going on, but I also didn't really want to go to school in Texas, which there's a slight conflict of interest there, but in the end, I was recruited by a bunch of different schools. I had offers, some Power 5 walk-on offers, some scholarship offers at other places, but I didn't want to sacrifice academics for athletics. And so I just made the decision fall of senior year that I was just going to apply to a few reach schools. And if not, if I didn't get in any of them, I would have just taken a post-grad year and committed to play somewhere in the Ivy League probably. So that's what I ended up doing. I got into Notre Dame. That was the only one I got into. So (laughs) I just remember that I'm joking, saying on Welcome Weekend, you chose Notre Dame. Then I'm like, not really. I that was my <laughs> only option, but it was a very good fit. Uh, I found out after doing research. It was one of the last schools I applied to. My mom convinced me to apply here about four days before the application deadline, so I did, and it's a good thing I did because I'm very happy here. And then I got in touch with the coaching staff the old coaching staff before the new regime came in and i had a walk-on spot for the fall just sort of a fall-long tryout and then from there they all left and i was kind of stuck back at square one didn't know if i i wanted to play baseball in college but i didn't i mean i had backup plans i was Maybe gonna try and transfer, but if I didn't make the team, but I ended up getting in touch with new coaching staff. Got a fall try, the same fall tryout, and worked out from there. I made the spring roster, and now still here in the fall.
1: (laughs) Awesome. So, I know we we talk a lot about you know guys that you played with growing up in Texas. Ones you know, ones in an SEC school, ones at a high caliber ACC school. They're kind of all over the place. Can you take us through what playing baseball in high school baseball down in Texas was like?
2: I mean, yeah, it's very competitive. I mean, I think in my district in high school, there's eight teams and all of them, except maybe one or two, had someone going somewhere power five. Um, but yeah, it's just a very heavy district. There's a lot of talent almost everywhere, especially in high levels of Texas baseball. I mean, you've seen top picks and top prospects come out of the Texas high school ranks like Bobby Wood Jr. Jet Williams with the Mets last year. And I always joked that I was – I played hockey in high school too. And I joked that I was about as good as te- at Texas hockey as I was at Texas baseball. Just <laughs> Texas baseball is the best in the country. In Texas hockey, I don't think I could make a team in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's just – I mean, I played with, a, with and against a bunch of very talented players, which – really helped when I got here and I played against that high level competition, obviously not high level ACC bats. Like I saw here, but it's definitely some very good competition and it's fun to play a different, very high level player, at least one or two of them on every team, every week.
0: No, absolutely. And then I am, I'm sure as you just mentioned, it's a really tough competition at Notre Dame. So what was that whole walk-in process? Like I imagine it wasn't not guaranteed a spot. You got to earn your spot throughout the fall. So what was that whole experience like? And I know, Maybe if you can't reveal all of it, but sort of as much as you want to slash can reveal of what you find out as you said, you had to connect with the new coaching staff. You had to battle it out on the mound all fall, and then finally getting the new team coach that, hey, you're gonna be on the roster with us.
2: Yeah, so it was kind of just a perfect storm of events because obviously the my senior year of high school is when Notre Dame made the run to Omaha, beat Tennessee, one of the biggest upsets in college baseball, as it was deemed by many reporters. And then that coaching stuff. Left, which brought along with it about three or four guys transferred out. Another player who was in the class of high school class of 22 was drafted in the first round and ended up signing, which was five players that were expected to be on the roster the next year that weren't. I know we had a grad transfer or two that decommitted. And so, what looked probably to be a roster of 44 or 45 that needed to be cut down to 40 ended up being 39. And with the new COVID rules and COVID eligibility carryover, NCAA baseball rosters are allowed to be at 40 now, which as the 40th person, that made it a little bit easier for the coaches to take just an extra guy as opposed to me competing against guys that they they recruited, especially since it was a new staff. So they hadn't recruited any of the guys. They didn't really have a personal connection to anybody. And I was coming in fresh just like everybody else.
1: Yeah. So talking about, you know, how that was a grind, you know, obviously, like you said, you were the, you know, maybe you would consider yourself the 40th guy on the 40 man roster, but, you know, you still had to duke it out and prove yourself on the mound while being a freshman at a top 20 university. And now, you know, I know you're a stats major at Notre Dame. Can you talk about juggling, you know, we had coach Stefan on. he talks about how, you know, you guys are, are students and athletes, not just athletes. And, I'm sure you know it better than anybody else. So can you take us through kind of what the challenges that come with going to Notre Dame and being a baseball player?
2: I mean, yeah, it's just a lot. There's a lot of time management that goes into it. We have, especially until fall break, we have 20-hour weeks, plus the course load. I have 16 credits this semester because we try and get everyone in and out in four years, all the undergrads. So we can't take the 12-credit-hour hour, twelve credit hour semesters like I know a lot of my friends do it some other big baseball programs we have to focus on academics and it's a lot of times hard i know wednesday nights is when my math homeworks due this semester and i'll usually get done with practice at 9 p.m and have about two hours of math homework <laughs> and do at midnight now i could manage my time better and do it earlier in the week but sometimes that just doesn't happen and it's everything has to get done there's a lot of time management that goes into it
0: and I think another one of those cool things, because everyone knows, even if you're a sports fan or not, a sports fan, Notre Dame is one of those like top colleges to be out there. But um, obviously, as you mentioned earlier, that like you've loved you're loving Notre Dame. You love the whole experience. So if there was a high schooler out there that says, hey, I want to play baseball in college, almost like a mini pitch of why Notre Dame? Why should they come here? What's been the best part about it so far in your couple of years there?
2: I feel like it's very cliche but everyone talks about four for forty but it's very real that if you come here for 4 years with the alumni connections and the alumni network that exists is you'll be set for the next however many years that you're in the working world and no matter if you're in business engineering stats like I am it's those there's connections that you make here especially since here more than anywhere else that I know of they do a great job of integrating the athletes with the rest of the student population. So you get to make connections with other students who may go on to do great things. And then you'll, you can know them and build those connections too. You're not just connecting with other athletes.
1: Yeah, for sure. Even if, even if you don't get the big fancy title, of being a division one athlete, I know from, even from my end, that, you know, the, the Notre Dame network is real and, you know, quick plug to any, any high schoolers out there listening, cause this place is awesome. Um, so, you know, I know we we see each other every day, and I know kind of everything that's going on with your life. It feels like so. Um, you hurt your elbow some point last year. Can you kind of take us through the nature of the injury, and then you said you've been learning more and more about this internal brace that you got going on. So we could share anything that you know about it, um, with our listeners.
2: Yeah. So I was at the end of my senior summer. I was eighty nine to ninety two pretty consistently. I hit 94.6, I think, one time. That was a one-off thing. I don't know how I did it. But <laughs> – and then I came into the fall. I was pretty 88 to 91 pretty consistently. Then I was touching 90 towards the end. And then we got back in January, and I was struggling to hit 88, 89. So there was – I think that at that point there was something wrong with my elbow in hindsight, and I know for a fact there was a chronic bone spur going on. And then – I was redshirted last year, so I wasn't traveling with the team, and in my first bullpen after spring break, I felt something weird in my elbow, and then I threw another pitch and just felt like something was wrong. I saw the trainer, got an MRI, and then I received the unfortunate news that there was a full tear of my right UCL, which is not fun for any pitcher. But then talking to surgeons, because it was a very unique tear where it just tore off the distal part of the bone, the entire tissue was still completely intact. So they could just reattach it with what's called an internal brace. It's a relatively new surgery from the last, I think, six or seven years it was invented, honestly. And it's becoming more and more popular, especially with younger pitchers and position players and even quarterbacks now, you see Brock Purdy in the NFL got it. And it cuts the recovery time of your typical elbow reconstruction colloquially known Tommy John in pretty much half. It's six to eight month recovery as opposed to a twelve to sixteen month recovery.
0: I like it. And then I know because I think it's not the same injury, but Aaron Rodgers got the same thing on his Achilles recently for our listeners who follow that area, and that he got the same thing as you internal braces hoping to speed up the recovery. So Don't want to jinx your recovery time or anything like that, but do you know, sort of, have doctors told you about, so how long is this going to take? Is pitching this upcoming spring a possibility, or do you think it's more looking towards that fall of next year is likely the result of when this is all going to come to fruition?
2: Um, So I am a little over five months post-op. I got my operation in mid-April, and some guys, I know, are about back at full strength at this point. I'm not. I still probably, I feel like I'm about a month to go, but the plan right now is to be fully on track by Thanksgiving break at the latest. And then I can tone everything down after I complete my throwing program. But what is interesting is because it's such a new surgery is they are not 100% sure how to rehab it painlessly, which is why I know a couple of my teammates also got the internal brace recently. And the throwing programs are very different because they know how to get the UCL back to full strength. And they know how to get to the end product. It's just, I know a couple of weeks ago, I had an issue where it was just, my elbow was in pain, just constantly. And what my surgeon said is that it was likely bone pain from, there's a bone anchor they put in, and it's just irritating that. And it's just interesting, It's such a new surgery that they know works, but they still don't know that much about it and the recovery. So that means you are due for some more pain than a typical rehab would be but for the recovery recovery time to be cut in half, it's well worth it, especially since it's not that serious. It's nothing compared to the first week of surgery, that's for sure.
0: And then I guess sort of a follow-up, I don't mean to jump in, Potter, but sort of another thing that people talk about with surgeries and with recovery, it's not only just the physical pain, but the mental pain of that, hey, I want to be out there with my teammates helping us win ballgames. I guess in a way it's fortunate that it's taking place during the summer and the fall and that you're not missing the spring season, but what do you think sort of, how has that been like The as soon as you get the surgery obviously it's probably like woe is me why is this happening but sort of the mental side of a big surgery like this
2: I mean the mental it's very difficult because especially like the first month after I didn't want to watch anybody just throw anything casually (laughs) like watching competitive pitching and stuff like that I was okay with because I could relate to the competitive aspect of it but just watching people play catch first of all I didn't remember how that was possible But I couldn't move my elbow above my shoulder. How do do you do the layback thing? (laughs) But, and then once you get into the bulk of the recovery, I'd say the hardest time is between about the one month period when you get heavily into the rehab and then the three month period where I was cleared to throw because you just don't feel like you're making any progress. You feel like you're doing all this stuff and your elbow feels the same. Like maybe you'll get a little bit more range of motion, but there's not clear results there that keep you motivated. And then once you're in the throwing program, you could really feel your elbow get back, like start building back to where you need it to be. Because what I didn't really realize until I got hurt and had to do a lot of research and learned a lot from doctors and surgeons that I talked to is that as a ligament, your UCL is practically useless. The only thing it's good at is shoulder external rotation and keeping your elbow stable. In fact, my surgeon even said, if you did anything other than throw a baseball, you would not need <laughs> surgery. So that's just what's weird you don't really feel the progress in your UCL until you start throwing because that's what its role is, is only for throwing pretty much.
0: I like it. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you dominating on the mound soon. But I know Potter, we have some, lighter questions to throw you non-surgery have some fun with you to wrap things up if you're game for them (laughs) all right the first one we have is one of the most important things in baseball is your walk-up song so when you're trotting out to the mound what's blaring in the systems for
2: you i mean my walk-up song that no one got to hear last year because i was red-shirted was come with me now by the congos and then i don't know but a discussion that we've had recently in baseball is that If you're a starter or if you're a closer, there's two very different walk-up songs going there. Starter, you got to have a little bit more rhythm, a little more laid back. Closer, you're just trying to get everyone amped up immediately. (laughs) So so I I think I was thinking, I'm a big Jacob DeGrom guy, so I think my starter song would probably be Simple Man. I loved when they played that for him. I got a chance to rehab a little bit with him this summer because I was at the Rangers facility after he got Tommy John surgery in May. And then... Closer, maybe painted black rolling stones. I think that would be a really good one. It's gotta have a good hook, you know. <laughs> <laughs> For sure.
1: Yeah. Um, and then you know, I gotta I gotta ask the the Notre Dame question. So if you could quickly describe what does God country Notre Dame mean to you, <laughs> how'd you describe it?
2: Uh we were actually discussing this in my history class today, very strangely enough. And there was a lot of politics and just different nuance that went into that discussion that I'm not even going to think about trying to bring up here. (laughs) But I think it just means it's the university's values that it's a Catholic, first and foremost, it's a Catholic institution. Next up, it's meant to serve the youth of our country and honor those that served our country you see that we have a veteran of the game every football game and we play navy every year still for what they did for us to keep the school going during world war ii and then finally it's focus on the school itself notre dame i think it's just the values that it believes the students should have as well as the values of the institution itself
0: like it, and then the third question we have for you that matt didn't know this question was coming i told him a different third question was coming but we're going to go with our audience knows Matt Potter for roughly 30 minutes a week on questions and getting to interview people. But, you know, Matt Potter on like a 24-7, seven days a week type of thing. So what is the real Matt Potter for our listeners who don't really know him? Careful is- how
1: you answer this.
2: Careful <laughs> how you
0: answer this. <laughs>
2: Careful. Um, He is a character <laughs> in every sense of the word. <laughs> I mean, do I get to tell him what the background is that he's using right now, or <laughs> uh, let's let's, keep, let's save that one? <laughs> uh, no, Potter's—he's a great guy. He's uh, sports game was a little too much for my liking, <laughs> but that's because I'm not allowed to as a NCAA athlete. But. Overall, really good kid. He's involved in way too much stuff. I don't know how he keeps it going. I, I complain that I have 20-hour weeks but Potter's doing like 10 hours with five different things, so who knows how he keeps it, everything going but he does a great job with everything he does.
0: Oh, I love it. See, Potter, it. all good things, but the last
2: <laughs> question we have to
0: throw at you is sort of an appreciation for you hopping on the podcast we with us. We let our guests sort of determine the future of the podcast and you get to shout out whether it's a teammate, someone else on your journey, but Someone in the baseball world that you think would be a cool next guy to have on the podcast.
2: A cool next guy to have on the podcast. Uh someone that I trained with that I go to his re- or his facility in the winters. I, I went there in high school is uh TJ Antone. Pretty good friends with him now. He's uh, close, he's was the closer on the Reds. He's he got hurt a couple years ago and is now just a reliever. I think they're transitioning him to more of a starter role. But especially since he's had two surgeries, two elbow surgeries, one of them being the internal brace, just seeing him come back from those. It's someone that I know and someone that I've seen pitch at the big league level. It's just, he's a really good guy. He's, he'd be a great guy to talk to about, but it would be a pretty similar topic to me, I guess.
0: No, I love so it. Yeah, TJ great. Anson. No, I love it. But, Matt and I really appreciate you hopping. On. I know Matt has been talking to me for a couple of months now. Matt Matt's saying We got to get Xavier. We got to get Xavier. And I'm like, come on, Matt, book it. And you know, <laughs> we're so happy that you joined us. And this turned out awesome. All right. All right, Matt, you got any words? You've been quiet since you got a nice glowing review. <laughs> about yourself. about
1: <laughs> no. no, yeah. Thanks for having on, Xavier. Really appreciate it.
0: All righty. So for Dylan Matt and Xavier, until the next time, the side is retired.